The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Councilmember Coleman Young II. Here. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. Do you are present? You have a quorum, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, next, we will move to approval of the minutes. Members have been provided the minutes from last meeting. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Uh, we're going to move very swiftly today as we have a 2 o'clock uh, CDBG meeting uh, here, uh, session here. Uh, so today we will only be taking one minute for public comment. Uh, we have a number of items on our agenda, so we have to move expeditiously. Uh, and some of them, uh, the the items that we have require uh, discussion. Uh, so uh, we will move to public comment now. If you'd like to participate in public comment, seeing no one here uh, in the audience physically, uh, we will go to virtual public comment. Again, if you would like to participate in public comment, please indicate so right now by raising your hand. Uh, we will leave public comment open for uh, a moment and then we will close it. Uh, so please raise your hand now for public comment again. Uh, Mr. Leonard, how many callers do we have today for public comment? Good afternoon, Mr. Chair and honorable committee members. Uh, today, we have four hands that are raised for public comment. Okay, and again, if you'd like to participate in public comment, please raise your hand now. Uh, we will close public comment going once, public comment going twice, Public comment is now closed. Let's proceed to our first caller. Who do we have, Mr. Leonard? Mr. Chair, the first caller is Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, you have one minute for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Member Durhall, you really are a stand-up guy. It was kind of funny last night, but your response was even better. Um, Greetings all council members. At home, 313-444-9114 and forced subservience Cunningham on Facebook. I'm asking everyone on the sound of my voice to get on a coach, a bus, after 6 p.m. and on the weekends. Have your cards ready. Talk to the people next to you, to your left, to your right, and in front of you. I beg you not to be sedity, uppity, or anything of that nature. Talk to the people around you and ask what is their worst experience with the bus system. They're not gonna be angry people. They're just gonna save their experiences. It's like pulling teeth to get politicians to ride the coaches after 6 p.m. on the weekends, but I'm asking you to do so. Again, 313-444-9114, thank you. Thank you, Brother Cunningham. You stand up guy as well. Let's move to the next caller. Who do we have? Mr. Chair, the next caller is Black Jesus. Black Jesus, you have one minute for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. For the record, my name is Black Jesus. I'll pop back out the bag one more time. It's Black Bag Rule. I'm riding once again. It's the name they gave me over at the DDC, the Detroit Detention Center. I think it was the fourth arrest out of the seven unnecessary arrest that I had by the 11th precinct. Them duffers over there right now, Lieutenant Tazmark, he got on my nerve too. Uh, reason why I'm calling is city of Detroit is embroiled in the biggest municipal bond fraud case in the history of the United States of America. The mayor and the CFO, the CEO and the CFO of Detroit city has taken out hundreds of millions of dollars worth of loans on the backs and the necks of the citizens compliant are black face BS political figures. Three of them sitting on the council right now, Mary Sheffield, James Tate, and Scott Benson. We're going to recall Scott Benson first, and then we're going to go down the line. Thank you. Uh, next caller, please. Mr. Chair, the next caller is to the least of these. At least these have one minute for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. 
Caller, you have one minute for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Good afternoon, honorable body uh, and chairperson. May I speak? You may. Thank you. Um, I hope you look at the report that came from the commission today because it's very important that you view that and understand what came out of that report uh, about the Q line and all of the other things about the CDBG money. Um, I, I hope you guys know that you are ultimately responsible for those U2GO bonds because you are the ones who are supposed to send out the the um, the notices. And I notice you you're, you're using it for things, and I have no idea what what UTGO bond you're using it from, but I see things like stretchers and things of that nature. But I would like to see where you got you know where the notice was that you sent out for that use of that money and where the project is. Um, you, you, you had a lot of energy yesterday, uh, chairman for, you know, the undocumented people. I hope you show the same energy for the majority of black people who live in this city, who need you to stand up for them and their $230 million of surplus. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hughes. Next caller, please. Mr. Chair, the next caller, our final caller is the number ending in 711. Number ending in 711. You have one minute for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Okay, good afternoon, Council. I noticed, this is Malik Shelton, I noticed that the in the LPD report dated January 25th, 2023, that although the report stated that it had received its information from Bond Council Miller Canfield, that there was no stationary or any logo or any specific bond attorney that was named uh, in that LPD report. And so since we went over there yesterday to Miller Canfield, the Detroit office, and everybody that we spoke to, including attorneys, <clears throat> was saying they didn't know what we were talking about. They had no knowledge of any of that, of anything that John Knightley was talking about, especially that revenue bonds do not require notices. I'd like to know specifically who John Naglick spoke to, what attorney, what's his name, over in Miller Canfield. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, as indicated before and yesterday and the week before, uh, we plan to bring that issue back up once we get a response to your letter uh, from LPD as well as the law department as well as Miller Canfield. Uh, who do we have next, Mr. Leonard? Mr. Chair, Mr. Shelton was the final caller. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, public comment is now finished. Uh, we will move to unfinished business. Line item 5.1, status of the Legislative Policy Division, submitting a report and proposed ordinance to amend Chapter 17 of the, tw of the 2019 Detroit City Code Finance by amending Article 5, Purchasing and Supplies, Division 1, Goods and Services, Subdivision B, Purchasing of City Goods and Services, Section 17-5-11, Manner of Purchasing to Provide for the Health, Safety, and General Welfare of the Public. Uh, members, do I have a motion to open up line item 5.1 for discussion? Motion. Thank you. Mr. Corley, uh, to you, I see you're joining us today. This is line item 5.1. Uh, dealing, uh, and this is a ordinance, uh, just for the record, uh, authored by Council Member Waters. Uh, and we have spoken with Council Member Waters, just uh, so members can know. Uh, we want to request a two-week bring back, as this has not been assigned to the law department as of yet. But Mr. Corley, if you could please address line item 5.1 uh, briefly. Uh, again, I know this is dealing with purchasing and procurement, so that is, that's one of the reasons why it is in our committee. But from my understanding, this also has a component relative to demolition. Could you uh, please speak on this? Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Chair and City Council members. Um, Mr. Um, Marcel Hurt, Mayor PD, is uh, here to speak on it. Thank you, Mr. Corley. Mr. Hurt, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Chair, and to the members of the committee. Uh, as you may recall, uh, this matter was uh, brought before you uh, a couple of weeks ago, and at that time it was referred to the law department for review and approval as to form. And I think that's where we're kind of at with regard to the matter. It's waiting for the law department to 
bring back to with regard to its review. Uh, if you like, I can go over what what it, it, uh, the ordinance uh, details, if you want. If we can go over that briefly, that would be great. You know, keeping in mind we do have a two p two p.m. CDBG uh, meeting. Yes. Uh, what was requested is that uh, there be a modification to the ordinance regarding demolition contractors uh, having a, a requirement before they bid to have insurance that will cover uh, their their contracts. What is being offered in this uh, amendment is that before they uh, they can bid without having insurance requirements, but within five days after receiving an award, they would have to show uh, that they have insurance with the city of Detroit being an additional insured on it. If they do not have that insurance within five days after receiving the award, then the award will then go to the next available or uh, uh, appropriate bidder and they will receive the award and have five days to obtain insurance and show insurance for that one. And just very quickly, if this insur uh, insurance, I'm sorry, is not obtained within those five days, it would go to the next highest bidder or not the that next is highest bidder who scored. Okay. That's correct. And that bidder would have to, within five days, show that they have the adequate insurance. Okay. Look forward to having this discussion uh, when it is to form uh, to the law department. Uh, again, do we know how much time that we're going to need on this? Uh, is a couple weeks sufficient to bring this back? Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Uh, I don't have... Please state your name for the record. I'm sorry. My name's Jordan Miller. I'm filling in for the usual counsel of record, Graham Anderson. Um, I don't have direct information as to the timeline, but I would imagine that a couple of weeks should be sufficient. Okay. All right. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Thank you so much. Uh, is the Director of uh, Office of... Uh, uh, Director of Procurement... Oh, Contracting Procurement, is she available or anybody from the Contract Procurement Office available? Because I, I have a question directly to them on this issue. Good afternoon, Lee Washington on behalf of the Mayor's Office. Um, Director Stahl is not online at this time, but I can reach out if you'd like to hear from her today. Okay, yeah, well, uh, well, well let me just ask this question and then she can, when we come back to it, she can answer it. So the question that I have is, um, one, if the contractor who's bidding on the potential contract with the city of Detroit without insurance, the low bid, how does the procurement department department determine that the contract is ultimately the low bid when they retain insurance? One. And then secondly, is there a history of cities giving out contracts with people that don't have insurance? I just don't understand how you would get a contract without being insured for liability, whether it's your performance bonds in terms of whether or not you could do the job or your payment bonds in terms of whether or not you could pay your subcontractors for that. I just don't understand how you could do that without surety. Without surety. Then you got your auto insurance, your general liability insurance, your business disruption insurance, depending on what you're doing. I just don't understand how you would get a contract without factoring in those costs. And, and member vice chair, if we could, if you could make a motion, obviously, to get a memo uh, and a response to that. Sure. I think that would be appropriate. And then that way, that'd be helpful when we come back. I think those are some valid questions. Sure. Uh, and hopefully, by the time we bring that back, those responses can be answered as well. Sure. So uh, I would like to make a motion uh, to get a response uh, in memo form. Um, I'm, I'm making this. Am I making this the OCP? I'm making this the law department. Who, who am I making this motion out to? I, I, I would recommend the law department. Law department, right? Okay, I'm gonna make sure that's that's all. Looking, I'm looking. Okay, so I like to make a motion to the law department uh, to get a memo response to um, if the contractor who is bidding on the potential contract with the city of Detroit without insurance is the low bid. How does the procurement department determine that the contract is ultimately the low bid when they retain insurance? And then secondly, what is the history? of this city and other cities around the country that give out contracts without the contractor being insured or carrying surety or being bonded, excuse me. And Member Vice Chair, would you like to also assign that to LPD as well? I would like to assign that to LPD. Okay. All right. 
There's a motion on the floor to assign that memo and the questions that uh, Member Young has to LPD as well as the Law Department. Are there any objections? Okay, hearing none, that action shall be taken. Uh, Member Santiago Romero, I see you had your hand up. The chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just have one brief question through you to um, whoever could answer this. Do we have a fiscal impact statement regarding um, this ordinance? Uh, through the chair. Yes. Let's start. Uh, in response to uh, Council Member uh, Santiago Romero, the uh, I believe the fiscal impact statement would would be requested if there were things in which the departments or city departments would be undertaking uh, that would add additional costs to their jobs. But this one is really just a matter of uh, changing the, the ordinance to allow for uh, bidders that uh, want to bid on demolition contractors to bid without having uh, insurance at the time that they bid. Okay, thank you. So I'm not sure if it would be necessary to have to go forward to uh, the CFO for a review. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. That's a very good question. And just kind of following up on Member Santiago uh, Romero's question, um, to her point, uh, obviously, uh, it's more uh, changing a, a level of procedure. But to go a little bit deeper into her question, you know, would that require more staff? Would that put more additional pressures uh, on procurement to be able to meet that request and, and, and is there a fiscal impact to that? So um, I, I guess those are questions that we can have answered when we come back. Uh, we're not in the interest of time today and seeing that we're going to bring this back because law department needs more time to get this to form. Uh, if we can keep those questions in mind so we can have that discussion when we come back, that would be great. Uh, with that, members, I have a motion uh, to bring back line item, uh, pardon me, line item uh, 5.1 in two weeks. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.1 would be brought back in two weeks. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Hurt, uh, as and everyone else. Uh, next, we'll move to new business. Line item 6.1 from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer submitting a report relative to the financial report for the six months ended December 31st, 2022. The Office of the Chief Financial Officer respectfully submits its City of Detroit financial report for the six months ended December 31, 2022. The comprehensive financial report includes both the monthly and quarterly reports for the six months ended December 31st, 2022. Members, we have a motion to open up line item 6.1 for discussion. Motion. Thank you. Uh, we have Mr. Watson joining us. Uh, this is a regular thing, obviously. Uh, so, Mr. Watson, please state your name for the record uh, and take, us, take it away and, and tell us about our financial report for the six months ended December 31, 2022. Thank you, Mr. Chair and members of the committee. Uh, my name is Steve Watson. I'm the city's uh, budget director and deputy CFO. Uh, I'm here today to talk about our monthly financial report as we do each month. Um, I will be very brief because there aren't a lot of major updates in this one. Um, the report is available not only on the uh, agenda as posted by the clerk for today's meeting, um, it is also available on our website at DetroitMI.gov slash budget. There's a big button that says financial reports and it has all of the prior months um, monthly financial reports. Um, since this is a quarterly report, it also includes additional information on property tax collections, investments, pension payments and debt service. Uh, but really, um, the, the upshot for this report is that, um, you know, our, our current projections are still holding steady. Um, this report does include the projected overages that we discussed in the context of the proposed budget amendment for the current year, including the fire department, elections, and public lighting department, um, that being part of the budget amendment that's currently before city council. Um, beyond that, uh, again, this takes us through halfway through the fiscal year. Um, again, trends are kind of following consistent with our revenue projections. In next month's report, we'll uh, add in the results of last week's February revenue estimating conference, and we'll also be submitting the report on that revenue conference 
uh, here shortly and uh, be back before this committee in the very near future to present the results of, um, of the revenue conference. Uh, again, that was held last Monday. Um, but other than that, nothing, uh, no, no major updates to report, but happy to take any questions that the committee members may have on uh, this uh, most recent month's financial report. Members, any questions? Okay. Mr. Corley, uh, as we like to afford you the opportunity to chime in uh, for this uh, line item 6.4. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, really, uh, no questions, uh, but thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, members, uh, seeing no other questions, no further questions, uh, and we will get uh, updated information, obviously, for the ending month next month, where there will be a lot more moving, I'm sure, uh, and we can get an idea where our finances are then. Uh, do I have a motion to receive and file line item 6.4? I'm sorry, not 6.4, pardon me, 6, uh, 6.1. I'll get ready to say, motion. Okay, hearing no objections, that action shall be taken. Next, from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer slash Office of Budget, line item 6.2, submitting a report relative to the fiscal impact of recognizing Indigenous Peoples Day as an excused time holiday. Uh, members, we have a motion to open up line item 6.2 for discussion. Motion. Okay. Uh, and I believe this was Member Santiago Romero's uh, as well. I will turn it over to Member Santiago Romero. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, appreciate the time and do have some questions um, through you too, Mr. Watson. We did read the, the, the reports regarding the, the negative fiscal impact that making this a excused um, time holiday would bring, but wondering what solutions we could have. I know that we just recently approved a Juneteenth um, as a paid day, uh, as a paid day off for, for, for staff. So wondering what solutions um, are, are possible. Mr. Watson. Uh, through the chair to member Santiago Romero. Uh, uh, thank you, Anae, and I appreciate the questions um, and the opportunity to speak to the report. Uh, my understanding um, is the, the Juneteenth ordinance still needs to go through a final approval process, but the, um, but the proposal and the financial impact are, are all very similar. Um, uh, as, uh, as the council uh, has done with both uh, proposed ordinances, um, the proposal is for what's called an excused time paid city holiday. And just to explain that a little bit for the benefit of the public, there's two categories of city paid city holidays. There's regular holidays and what are called excused time holidays. Uh, but really what that amounts to is one type of holiday um, requires the payment of what's called holiday premium, which is a, you know, uh, which is a triple time uh, pay rate for uh, folks required to work on that day, which is primarily police and fire uh, employees uh, who have, who have 24 by seven coverage. By making it an excused time holiday, which was done both in Member Santiago Romero's proposed ordinance as well as the previously proposed um, Juneteenth ordinance, it does lessen the impact um, to just regular potential overtime. Uh, the reason being that um, police and fire employees, as well as bus drivers, who uh, would have to work on, in this case, Indigenous Peoples Day, um, if approved, uh, would get an alternate paid day off, uh, and thus um, that, you know, to maintain adequate coverage, that may trigger some additional overtime. And so the estimate we have in the report is that could cost uh, around an extra $600,000 a year in overtime expense. But uh, much like we discussed for the Juneteenth ordinance, uh, we would uh, we we could work with the police and fire department to try to manage their their coverage and their overtime expenses overall, such that they can um, you know they can work towards absorbing this within their current budgets. Um, you know, again, just like we discussed for Juneteenth, um, the fiscal impact report isn't you know trying to weigh in on you know the advisability of whether or not to add the holiday. It's just to raise the issue that you know there is a downstream fiscal impact, but one that you know, for our two largest departments, uh, police and fire, uh, with the largest impact, uh, we would want to try to work with them to, um, you know, mitigate any uh, net impact on the budget. Uh, and, and again, much of what we discussed with Juneteenth, you know, that should be able to be done in, in this case as well. 
uh, but just recognizing that, um, you know, as we add additional holidays, you know, that, that impact potentially compounds over time. I mean, this is only just one more um, holiday and, and understood, but, um, but we just wanted to make sure we had the report out there so that the members had the benefit of, of knowing that there could be a downstream impact on overtime expense. Thank you. Um, thank you, Mr. Watson. Uh, through you, Mr. Chair, is there a timeline um, that we can expect these conversations to be had and arranged um, and to hear whether or not this is going to be possible? Um, do we plan to have these conversations done before the fiscal year of 2024 is approved? Uh so yes, if this ordinance were approved, and even um, you know prior to its approval, you know we can certainly talk to the police and fire departments about how they can try to structure their schedules to to mitigate the impact. But but if if the ordinance were approved, you know ultimately the departments um, you know will have to live within their existing budgets, and so um, you know we would work with them on an operational plan to ensure there would be no overage. Um, you know, uh, understood currently, both departments do run a substantial amount of overtime expense. And so to the extent they can find offsetting savings, they could potentially absorb the incremental, I should say potential incremental cost here. Because again, um, you know, overtime is a highly variable expense. And so this just assumes the the, the current uh, run rates for overtime. Uh, again, you know, uh, if, if this were to be added to the sort of operate, if this were approved and would have to be added to the operational plans of the department, we would uh, we would work with them to again to mitigate any budget impact. And happy to speak up, speak to them to, to try to report back, but um, uh, but I wouldn't see that necessarily as a reason to um, hold up um, the ordinance moving forward. Again, this is just to, uh, frankly, even just for ourselves internally to be on notice that um, should this pass, it's something that, you know, we'll just have to work through. Thank you. I appreciate that, Mr. Watson. Uh, besides the, through you, Mr. Chair, um, to Mr. Watson, besides the fiscal impact, are there any other impacts to the departments that we should be aware of or, or notice? Uh, thank you. I threw the chair to member Santiago Romero. I mean, so in the, as we stated in the report, and, and I did sort of gloss over this, I mean, certainly, you know, there is the potential for some productivity, productivity impact um, for all departments that would uh, benefit from this paid day off, because it would just be, of course, you know, literally um, one additional day off uh, where folks wouldn't be at work. Um, but that said, uh, you know, staff absences happen all the time. Departments adjust and adapt. You know, we find, you know, new efficiencies uh, continuously to, to do our work more efficiently and effectively. And so, again, you know, in the context of one day, it, it's not um, a substantial impact. But again, you know, we just wanted to add that to the discussion just in the context of, you know, kind of broadly speaking, you know, uh, more time um, away from work. Um, you know, does eventually kind of start to build up if there were, you know, an increasing number of, of uh, days off added. Um, but again, one extra day is pretty minimal in the grand scheme of things. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Watson. Uh, agreed. And a day off here and there actually is good for our mm -hmm. mental health and yep. for productivity long term. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Uh, to, to you, Member Santiago Romero, uh, are you okay with the receiving file here, or do you want to further discuss this? Uh, I, I am okay with the receiving and filing, and then we will uh, continue to do the work that we need for okay. this. Thank you. All right, thank you. So is there a motion on the floor for line item 6.2? Motion to receive and file. Okay. Hearing no objections, line item 6.2 will be received and filed. So thank you very much, Mr. Watson. Uh, next, we will move to line item 6.2. Three from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of Development and Grants. Line item 6.3, submitting a resolution of authorization to request or an, a request to an accept uh, an increase in appropriations for the property tax exemption software grant. The Rocket Community Fund has awarded an increase in appropriation to the City of Detroit Board of Review for the fiscal year 2022 property tax exemption software grant in the amount of $40,000. There is no match requirement. This funding will increase appropriation 20686, previously approved in the amount of $200,000 by council on September 24, 2019, to a total of $240,000. Members, do I have a motion to uh, discuss line item 6.3? Motion. Thank you. Uh, 
joining us today, we have Mr. Willie Donwell from the Board of Review, who will give us a very brief uh, summary of what this does. Again, this is us accepting funding uh, for our software, but Mr. Donwell can go a little bit into that, uh, more into that, should I say. Uh, Mr. Donwell, please state your name for the record and proceed, sir. Good afternoon. Uh, Bully Donwell, Director of Property Assessment Board of Review. Uh, so in 2019, we received a grant from the uh, Rocky Community Investment Fund of $200,000. I know it's been uh, a little over three years, but I just want to quickly say that uh, we're actually about to launch the software. We're doing some current beta testing, and we're going to do some real-world testing starting March the 10th. This will be part of my report to the City Council uh, next week that I'll be filing. Um, the $40,000 is the ability for us not to use taxpayer money and development of software. Everything that I have done associated with this development of software is to build out a process at a reduced cost to the community. And we're doing that by getting the benefit of an additional $40,000 for the Rocket Community Investment Fund for that to happen. No matches is needed. Okay, thank you, Mr. Donwell. Members, any questions on line item 6.3? Chair recognizes member Santiago Romero. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and hello. Good to see you. Um, through you to Mr. Donwell. Is this application uh, going to be in different languages, accessible to folks in, that might speak Spanish or Arabic? I'm assuming it's for the public to utilize. Uh, everything that we're doing uh, through the chair, everything that we're doing is to make sure that there is a full intent of being transparent and inclusive. Okay. Uh, it is so important to make sure that all of, everyone in our community, no matter where they are, is to be able to be serviced. I also want to add that we are not eliminating paper at that level either. Paper is eliminated once it's filed in this building. Uh, starting next year, the Board of View will not be touching paper, but our community will still have the opportunity to submit a paper application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Any further questions? Okay, I, I'll have a couple for you, but I don't want to let the cat out the bag. I know that's <laughs> going to be part of your budget presentation that you're excited to tell us about on how we can help folks get access to property tax exemptions as well. So looking forward to that uh, discussion uh, as we move forward in the budget cycle. So thank you very much, Mr. Donwell. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, Members. Mr. Chair? Oh, pardon me. Mr. Corley, please proceed. Thank you. Um, I asked uh, Mr. Donwell... Uh, the fact that this software um, agreement would last through December 31st of 2025, what's the likelihood that the city could receive a grant to um, provide funding for an extension of the software? And he indicated that um, it, it, it looks about very good, that the city would be able to do that, working with Rocket Mortgage, and uh, maybe Ms. Nywell can elaborate even more. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Donwell. Thank you very much, Mr. Corley. Uh, a great uh, a segue. You know, it's, it was really important is to understand when we're building out things that there has to be trust both ways. Uh, you must kind of give to get. Um, and so as we continue to build out the software, they have been involved and engaged in the building out of that software. Uh, it's the whole reason why we're able to get this other $40,000 uh, that will, again, help continue the process. As we begin to continue the presentation and what we're doing to continue to build that confidence in our benefactor, um, you know, we will continue to build that trust with them. So when we ask for that additional money, I do not see a problem. We, we've all, we have already started discussions on what would happen in future years. We just need to continue to build that trust. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Donwell. Is that it, Mr. Corley? That's it, sir. That's it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, members, do I have a motion uh, to send line item 6.3 to formal with a recommendation to approve? Motion. Hearing no objection, line item 6.3 will be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank you, Mr. Donwell. As always, we appreciate all the work you do. Thank you. Thank you. Next, under the City Planning Commission, line item 6.4, submitting a report relative to the proposed capital agenda, fiscal year 2023 through 24 through 2027 through 28, has already been recommended for approval by the CPC with modifications. On November 1st, 2022, the proposed capital agenda, fiscal year 2023-24 through fiscal year 2027-28, was submitted to uh, 
submitted to the office by the chief of financial uh, chief finance officer. Pardon me, that language looks different in there. Chief finance officer slash budget department to the city clerk to be conveyed to city council consistent with Article Eight, Chapter Two of the city charter. The City Council Legislative Policy Division LPD and the City Planning Commission CPC have been in review of the document since that time. The Commission received presentations at its December 1st, 2022 and January 5th, 2023 meetings on the proposed capital agenda and following additional discussion at it, meeting of January 19th, 2023, took action. Uh, so, uh, uh, members, we have a motion to discuss line item 6.4. Motion. Thank you. Uh, and uh, to uh, Mr. Todd, uh, good afternoon to you, sir. Uh, from my understanding, um, and re I remember we talked about this last week, uh, there were some opportunities for members to ask questions uh, relative to the capital agenda. They were submitted to the administration, and from my understanding, we have some responses to those questions today. Uh, we have LPD, obviously CPC. Uh, and we have uh, members from the administration online, Donnie Johnson, LaShonda Davis, Crystal Perkins, and Ernest Latham, if needed. Um, so I would turn it over to you, Mr. Todd, to briefly discuss, keeping in mind that we're fastly approaching our CDBG deadline. Uh, please take it away, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair. <clears throat> Good afternoon to you and the committee members. Uh, I will endeavor to be brief. Uh, as you've indicated, we have, uh, the council has already done uh, a bulk of the work, at least uh, that is required procedurally toward its review of the capital agenda. You held the public hearing on last week, and prior to that, you did, in fact, as you indicated, submit a request for recommendations from the planning director as the charter requires. The administration did circulate responses to that request last week and I have provided you with the hard copies of that. Unfortunately, somehow it didn't make it to be formally referred yesterday during, for, dur during formal, so I believe the administration is prepared to formally walk that on to the committee today. It is at this point that where we're seeking is council's reaction to those responses. The report and recommendation that you are formally receiving from the commission today um, is, um, uh, backtracking, if you will, in that you received our recommendation without benefit of the full report back on January 23rd, and it was part and parcel of the request for recommendations that this honorable body sent to the administration. So the recommendation portion of our report was something that you'd actually already received, and it is indeed part of what the administration has, reacted, has responded to. It is my understanding that the administration is prepared with a very brief uh, overview of their responses if you'd like to receive that I think mr. Johnson is prepared to do so or mr. Watson and then we can surmise uh, the LPD CPC response to that the only thing that we would be looking for is formal direction from council from, from the committee of course first and foremost and then uh, specific issues if council members have them as has been the case in the past uh, this item always being compressed at the end, given that you have a March 1st deadline to act. We'll, we are prepared to receive any final request recommendations and formulate that into a resolution um, uh, in time for next Tuesday's formal. Thank you, Mr. Todd. And so uh, that being stated, uh, for some reason, did not make it from formal to here. Uh, we have not been provided a walk-on, uh, particularly in paper form, but I would just, uh, I don't want to say assume, but uh, knowing that these the walk-on is a response to the questions that are already submitted, uh, we can definitely add that to the agenda if uh, members would approve that walk-on and then take in conjunction with the line item 6.4. Uh, members, do I have a motion to add to our agenda today a walk-on, which is the responses uh, to council members and LPD's fiscal review of the 2024 through 2028 proposed capital agenda. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that will be added as a walk-on. Uh, if the clerk could note, uh, obviously added as a walk-on would be added as line item 6.7. The clerk will so note. Thank you. Now, with that, members, we have a motion to take up line items 6.4 and 6.7 together. Motion. Uh, do I have a motion to discuss both? Motion. Okay. 
All right. So we now will turn it over to the administration, uh, folks who are queued up, Mr. Donnie Johnson, uh, to respond to questions that council members may have had and or LPD. Uh, please state your name for the record, Mr. Johnson, and proceed. Uh, I will, again, uh, have to do this, uh, ask you to keep in mind that we are approaching our 2 p.m. mark uh, where we have to go into our CDBG hearing. So uh, please be as brief as you can. Please proceed. Yes, Mr. Chair, understood. My name is Donnie Johnson, and I am the Associate Budget Director for the City of Detroit. Um, I didn't know if any, uh, anyone else is introducing themselves, so I'll just proceed um, in the interest of time. I think the two key things that I want to stress at the outset is there were requests from numerous uh, quarters for the rest restoration of the Detroit Public Library and the demolition department to the capital agenda, and the administration will do that. So we will have that in the final uh, version of the capital agenda. That will be reflective of the capital agenda as it looked last uh, last time we did this document. Um, those are really two big structural um, things that we have agreed to uh, add back to the capital agenda. I do believe that we have responded to, I believe, all of the questions that were submitted to us. Um, we have had conversations with LPD. We, we met uh, last week uh, prior to last week's public hearing and discussed um, our responses, and it does seem that, you know, LPD was, we are in concurrence that we have responded satisfactorily. We do hope that the council members will have time to review those, to, to, to make that determination for themselves individually and as a body. Um, I don't really, I mean, we're, we're, we're very short on time, so I don't want to get too deep in the rabbit hole on specific items. So I defer to you, Mr. Chair, how you believe you should best allocate the time for the remaining 10 minutes if you want to, if you or your um, the fellow committee members would like to ask specific questions that I could address right now. Um, I just, I don't want to go on a, a safari um, knowing that time is, is short because you know me, I can go on for a very long time about capital stuff um, and I don't want to do that to you. Mr. Johnson, I, cer I certainly do and so uh, that is not our intent today in the committee. And again, I appreciate the responses. What I will do, though, uh, because I know uh, Member Santiago Romero had questions that were in this packet as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, Member Young may have a couple questions, but uh, members, due to time, I will limit it uh, to one question. Um, we we have been, some, you know, provided the responses uh, to you, Mr. Johnson. Has in, has this report been provided to all members? Via email. Yes. Yes, it has. I believe Mr. Todd uh, ensured distribution to each of the members of the council mm -hmm. okay. and the committee. I mean, the council as a whole. And that is as well with the questions from the legislative policy division. Correct. Yes. Yes. Sorry. And just really quickly, Mr. Todd, if we want to take action on these items after today and discussing these questions, first of all, for the line items, the proper motions would be to receive and file uh, both of these reports. Correct. Yes, Mr. Chair, uh, receive and file the reports, uh, but then, of course, the item, the capital agenda item itself uh, would need to come out of committee today, either, you know, with a, uh, without recommendation or recommendation to approve with modifications and the additional caveat that we are still awaiting final feedback from the remainder of your colleagues. Okay, and 6.4 is, again, the report. 6.7, which we walked on, will be the action that needs to take, uh, with the item that needs to have action taken on it. Thank you. Okay, yes. I'll go to members for questions very briefly. First, uh, the chair recognizes member Santiago Romero. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. My one question is through you, and I, I did receive the response, but I, I, I would love it if you could elaborate a little bit more and share with the public why it is that we're seeing um, a request for more funding for neighborhood framework plans when we are funding a city master plan. Um, if you can please explain how these two will connect um, and, and work hand in hand. Yes, uh, through the chair to member um, Santiago Romero. Um, to my understanding, um, the, the process that we're undertaking with the master planning budget that was allocated in fiscal 23 is to codify all of the results of 
the, the planning studies that have been undertaken for the past few years to date, codify those, meaning add them into the formal city master plan. Um, the process moving forward is going to be as we undertake these framework plans on a neighborhood basis, these plans will include a codification step. So as each neighborhood undergoes its, you know, um, uh, collaborative process with the planning and development department to come up with a framework plan, as that framework plan is formalized, that plan will then go through the codification process. So that as we're doing each plan, we're updating the master plan on that, you know, um, neighborhood by neighborhood basis, as opposed to attempting to do the entire citywide master plan at one time. Um, so that is how I understand this process to work. I, um, I unfortunately did not have someone from the planning department on, on for today's um, meeting, and I do apologize for that. I believe they would could be, speak to that a little bit more uh, in depth than I could. Thank you. I, I will be reaching out to them um, because I, I, I do believe that we need a full citywide revamp of the master plan to, to, to hear that we're going to still do meal pieces is um, not exactly what I was hoping for. So we can definitely have more discussions with them. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Member Young, Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, always good to see you guys. Appreciate you, sir. Um, my question is involving the Q line. From my understanding, this is a public-private partnership. Uh, were there bonds issued in order to build this out, or was this funded primarily through the uh, private benefactors? And then secondly, this was passed, I think, in 2000, or at least it was official law in 2015. From my understanding, 10 years from now, it was supposed to transfer over to the Regional Transit Authority. So is that still the case? And when we're building out um, the Q line, no, when we're building out um, or we're building up um, uh, the people mover and the Q line, is that part of an overall plan for mass transit? Uh, thank you for the question through the chair to, to Council Member Young. Uh, for that particular question, I would probably need to defer to my colleague, LaShonda Davis, um, okay. the Deputy Chief Operating Officer. She's a little bit closer to the transportation items, uh, operational items for the city. All right. Hello, Ms. Davis. Chair. Good morning, everyone. Or is it afternoon now? Afternoon now? Afternoon. Uh, through the chair to answer the um, question please, from please Councilman Young. Ms. Davis, sorry to cut you off. That's okay. Is that okay? Uh, LaShonda Davis, Deputy COO, Mayor's Office. And with that, please excuse my situation. My laptop died earlier today, so I am on my phone. Uh, with that, I am to answer the question via. Uh, Councilman Young, uh, the Q-Line was private benefactor funded uh, with that, but we to go further into the question that was posed in regards to uh, the people mover, we should also have um, online uh, Director Kramer of DTC that can further expand upon your question. Can we bring him on? Okay. And I know that we have lack of time. All right. Promote Director Kramer. Uh, through the chair. Good afternoon, Councilman. Councilpersons. Hey. I'm Ernest Latham, Deputy General Manager of uh, Detroit People Movement. If you could speak up just um, a bit, sitting uh, in for Mr. If you Robert speak up Kramer. just a bit, it's kind of hard to hear you. Hi, I'm, I'm Ernest Latham, Deputy General Manager of Detroit People Movement. Is that better? Okay. Uh, the question that I have for you is evolving the People Mover. Um, one, I wanted to ask you, when we're building out the people mover, uh, is that also part of an overall plan for mass transit? Because from my understanding, the queue line was going to be moved from uh, the public-private partnership, which it is now, and is going to move into the regional transit authority. So from my understanding, has there been a coordination between you and SimCog or you and the Regional Transit Authority at all in terms of that happening? Because from my understanding, it's not just about fixing the people mover. It's about coordinating all those assets together. And I know it's kind of hard to include, you know, what might come in a capital agenda, but is there some sort of plan to do that or is that just 
self-maintained for the people mover? Uh, this is a great question. Uh, we've begun talks, uh, high-level discussions with SimCloud, RTA, and also with QLine on how we can begin looking at collaborative efforts through fair, coordinated service plans, coordinated marketing. So as we as things start to gel and become uh, more solid on the direction, if they if we become part of them, they become part of us. It'll it'll be an easier transition through. But yes, we do have collaborative efforts going on right now with them um, on their operations. Okay, well, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you, Ms. David. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I'm done. Thank you. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. And just to note again, members will have the opportunity between now and the first. The first, obviously, is the deadline to uh, get with CPC uh, as well as LPD if there are any additional questions or requests uh, to come for the proposed capital agenda. Uh, due to time, members, with that, uh, I'd like to move these things forward. Uh, do I have a motion to receive and file line item 6.4? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Do I have a motion to send line item 6.7 to formal with the recommendation to approve? Mr. Todd, yes. I'm sorry, Mr. Chair, both. To receive and file both? Well, I, I was saying, but but you can receive and file both, but there's actions associated. There's with actions it. associated with 6.4. I know in the title it says just report, though. So uh, let me modify that, or let me... Asked, do we have a motion to send line items 6.4 and 6.7 to formal with a recommendation to approve? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Do we have a motion to receive and file line items 6.7? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Uh, next, under the Legislative Policy Division, line items 6.5 as well as 6.6. Members, do we have a motion to take both of these line items together? Motion. Okay, members, due to time, obviously, and time restraints, these are two reports. Uh, Mr. Corley, are you comfortable with uh, a bring back and discussing these two items next week? It's not groundbreaking. will not hold up anything. Uh, and from the chair's office, uh, I'm okay with taking these up next week um, uh, to be able to report. Because you know they're going to Seattle? Yeah. Okay. That'd be fine, though, Mr. Chair. Yeah. Okay. All right, members, uh, do I have a motion to bring back line item 6.5 and 6.6 in one week? Motion. Okay, hearing no objections, line item 6.5 and 6.6 will be brought back in one week. Next to member reports, members, do I have a motion to suspend member reports? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Seeing no other actions to come before this committee, uh, do I have a motion to adjourn? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, this committee will stand adjourned at the call of the chair. Hey, I thought everybody was going to be gone. Uh, are we? Okay. Okay.